0: that we, we allow ourselves to have a version of Christianity that isn't biblical. And, 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 and the abortion thing is just one way that we, we could talk about it. But there's a lot of different other topics that I'm not one of those modern Christians that go, oh, well, you know, everybody else is okay with it. No, like, all I know is the Bible. If the Bible is not for it, I'm not for it. But here's the, even though I may not be for it, I can still love somebody who's in it. I can look at the, the meth addict and say, Jesus loves you, and he has a better way for you. Whether you choose it now or choose it five years from now or, or don't choose him at all, that's not my decision. That's yours, but I can love you where you're at. I can look at many other people that walk through the mess of life and, and show them how God loves them no matter the decisions they have made in their past. So I don't take my cues from politics. I don't take my cues from culture. I take my cues from Jesus. And that's what this first part means, that I don't follow the advice of the wicked. I don't stand around with people that don't know Jesus and try to to listen to them. And I'm I'm not going to join in with mockers. The worst thing the church can do is mock people right now. The worst thing we can do is make ourselves look like fools. So though you may celebrate, I hope that your heart would also be tender to those that aren't and walk life with them. And that's whether it's this subject or any other. But there's a promise that God gives when we don't do that, and it follows right after that. And it says, well, actually, it follows pre, 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 the precursor to that. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not do those things. There's a promise of joy when we don't follow sinful, wicked lifestyles. What does that mean by, oh, the joy? It means this, a consistent mind, a consistent attitude, a spirit that leans on the promises and the word of God. That, that, I'm listening and following God, and there is a joy. There is a consistency in my mindset, and my heart, and my attitude that says I am not at the ever-loving whim of emotions, of culture. I mean, listen. If if we were at the whim of culture, which a lot of people in this world are, man, we listen. Five years ago, this isn't okay. Now it is. Oh gosh, ten years ago, this isn't okay, but now it is. And 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 some are good and some are bad but but the reality is is that we're on this like roller coaster ride of of what's m- morally acceptable based off of culture's opinion and the thing about jesus is there's a consistency there's a consistency of right and wrong of a standard of living of saying listen there is godly and then there's ungodly there's right and there's wrong there's there's and there's not it's not better than it's i found jesus The day that a Christian says, well, I'm better than, no, you don't don't understand Jesus. Because Peter was an idiot up until Jesus died and then even a little bit after. And he spent three years with him in person. So let's not trip out on the fact that you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna be a fool sometimes, and it's okay. But the reality is, is that when we choose to follow Jesus, there is a joy because there is a standard and there is a consistency because I'm not leaning on what Fox or CNN says. Either one of them <laughs> or any other offshoot brand that you want to come up with. I'm founded on the word of God. That is my, that is my, my, my identity of my meter of truth. Truth or lies, we will listen to and believe one or the other. I've always, I've always had an issue with the, well, my truth, I, my, my truth, there's <laughs> there no your truth. There's the truth. The truth. Because here's, if we get into that, and, and there's a big fancy word that is too smart for me to remember, but you know that, that ideology, that myism, what happens, man, if, if, if Stefan says, "You know what? The sky's purple. That's my truth.") <laughs> Stefan, you're tripping. The sky's blue. Which truth is correct? Well, you're just not seeing things outside of the box, my man. <laughs> I think you're seeing too far outside the box, my man. <laughs> like, you know, but, but here's like, and, and that's a funny way of, of putting it. But how many times have, have you heard somebody say, well, my truth? No, 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 no. Because what if my truth says your truth is a lie? Which truth is truth? And that's a really big rabbit hole. You don't really want to chase down. So when you have a standard of truth, look at Psalms 1-2. It says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. When I stand on truth that is time tested, thousands of years, hasn't changed, went through multiple cultures, some worse than America. You know, like we think, oh, America's going to hell in a handbasket. Let me insert the Roman society or the Greek society. They had like churches for naked people to have sex. We ain't there yet. They worship the, the you know, the all sorts of different, they had a God for everything. They had a, probably a God for plumbers. They probably really wanted a God of plumbers back then. <laughs> they had a God for everything. And we think, oh man, it's, oh, Jesus must be coming, it's really bad. <laughs> like, I, I think there's actual cult generations before us that were way worse. But no matter what, God's truth has been the same from Adam and Eve all the way till now. And it will never change. It is my standard. We overcome lies and sin, emotional instability, and much, much more by being rooted in the truth of God's word. It is so important to have God's word in our heart and not just our head. I wanna make that point. You can have all the knowledge up here, but if it doesn't bleed out here so that it lives in our life, all you got is education. All you got is a thought process. I love uh, John 4, 42. Uh, this is when he was with the Samaritan woman. And, and, and I love what the community, this is the community. So Jesus has this amazing moment with the Samaritan woman, right? And then she runs back to the town and she's like, oh my God, I met Jesus. And they're like, who's Jesus? <laughs> and she starts to tell him, oh, he knew everything about me. He knew about my five husbands and the dude I'm sleeping with now that ain't my husband. It'll take up, what a story, right? Like, what? Come meet him. And they all run back to Jesus and he's just hanging out at the well. And and here's what they say about this is what the community says. It says it's, um, they say, then they said to the woman, this is the community said to the woman. Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So many times the reason why, why people go, Oh, church is boring or I don't, I don't, God doesn't really move me or do stuff in my life is because we're just listening to somebody speak about him. We haven't experienced him ourselves. And I'm telling you, the greatest thing you could ever do is just stop listening to the word of God. Just stop listening to the worship and experience it. Man, it will radically change your life. It'll radically change your life when you start to experience the move of God in your life and you allow him to move in your life. Benjamin Franklin said this, if you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. And, and that can be so true to so many things in life, right? Like, it, how many of you went grocery shopping and didn't have a, a list? You buy stupid stuff, especially if you're hungry. Don't go shopping when you're hungry. Like, I don't eat Fruity Pebbles, but I'm going to buy five boxes. I'm starving. no. Like, it'll just wreck you. You'll be like, how did I get a $400 bill? Because you're hungry and you went shopping without a plan. Go buy a car without a budget. You'll buy the stupidest thing on the lot because you want it. (laughs) Listen, if I just went, this is how I know that Jesus loves me. He doesn't let me go to stupid places like that because I'm the guy that does stupid stuff like that. Insert my story when I bought a car after my wife bought a car and didn't talk to her about it. I came home a month later after she got her brand new car. I was like, babe, look out the window of our apartment. And she goes, what's that? I said, that's my new car. She goes, did you really just buy a car without talking to me? I needed a new one. Like, I'm going to be driving further. And that one, that one was old. And she's like, you bought a car without talking to me. Yeah, but that's because our buddy told me that there was a car on the lot that I should come look at. And that's not that one, but this is the one I qualified for. I didn't have a plan. Guess what? I planned to fail. Big time. I learned my lesson. Don't buy cars without talking to your spouse. Just in case you haven't learned that lesson, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you out. Uh, unless you'll have that unwritten rule, then go do it. Do you? Do you? I don't care, but I, I won't do it ever again. Because, and here's the thing the same thing spiritually. If you don't have a plan to succeed in your spiritual walk, you will fail. Growing in Jesus doesn't just come naturally; it has to be worked out. So here's my question: What action steps will you take to better your faith journey, which also will better your life? The psalmist says a metaphor right after that uh, uh, verse one and two, about what it's like for a life of a believer when they put God first. We are a tree planted along the riverbanks, and so there are four things that are the ending of this. You may go, "Oh God, we got four things." No, it's the ending of this. We're we're already more than halfway through, I promise you. Life lessons about a tree. You're like, oh Lord, here we go, fruity pebbles. Now he's from California, i a tree. Okay, no. Listen, life lessons about our tree. The first thing is this, is that he says that it is the source of life, right? So he says that uh, that we are t- like trees planted along the riverbank. Well, the source of of life for that tree is the river. The closer to the source, the stronger the life. Unless you're a cactus, you need water to grow, which is why we don't grow things at our house. <laughs> we will kill you if you're a plant. Bowdenhammer household is not the place for you. It's like you. It's it's like. We buy them, and I'm pretty sure the plants, like, scream in in horror, we're going to die. It's just the way it is. We like fake stuff when it comes to plants. They don't have to be watered. They don't have to grow. They don't have to die. They just have to not, like, be eaten by something. The stronger the roots, the healthier the tree And we can't be strong believers and be distant from the source of life, our source of hope, our source of joy, our source of peace, and our source of truth. You cannot be a functioning, well-balanced, healthy Christian if you are not connected to the source. I think, listen, we never had trees fall like this in California. Like here, sometimes they just fall out of nowhere. It's like, I'm like, what the heck? And then you realize that the, the root system wasn't healthy. The tree was dying from the inside out. Something was attacking it, and it didn't have a source to connect itself to to stay healthy and strong. We were literally in our uh, room one night. We were sleeping, and there was no storm. It was like maybe it just rained that day or something like that, and this gigantic honker of a tree fell, like, and I'm like, oh, God. I look out a window, Can't obviously can't see anything, it's dark. I go wandering around in my backyard, I'm like, and I mean, this thing's massive, massive. And I'm just like, what the heck? But its root system wasn't very strong. When your root system is not strong and you're not connected to the source of life, it's gonna be really easy to walk away and say, well, I tried Jesus. Man, I just, I just never felt him. I just, you know what? Life is just too hard, and, and I'm just going to go do my own thing because you're not connected to the source, so you don't get the benefits of being connected to the source of life, like the joy and the hope and the peace. And, and when, when times are hard, you, you don't have that to go back to because your root system is too shallow. So I want to encourage you, if, if that's where you're at, maybe you're walking through life and you're like, man, I just always feel like I hit a wall when it comes to God. I'm telling you, you need to dig deeper. Allow that root system, get into his word, get around. I would say, find a mentor and say, hey, can you, can you walk this life with me? Let's, I, need, I need a prayer partner. I need somebody who's going to help me understand this thing. And, and let's, let's, let's dig a little bit. Let's get that root system founded deeper. The second thing that, that he says about this tree is that it's bearing fruit each season. Each season. So what does that mean? There is a, there is a fruit season. We need to understand there is a bearing fruit season and there is a growth season. God promises fruitfulness in our faithfulness. And here's the thing if you expect life to always be this roller coaster high, you will be sadly, sadly mistaken and hurt. Well, God, when I came to you, you promised. No, He never promised a perfect life. He never promised you'd have it all together. He never even promised you'd be able to pay all your bills. Bible does not say that. I told you before uh, I was sitting in my office and and one of the other detectives said, he won't give me more than he can handle. Lies. He's going to give you more than you can handle. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says that he is going to actually give you more than you can handle so that you can trust him and hold on to him. And if your roots aren't founded deep enough, you're just going to say, forget it. But God is growing something in you in those seasons where you have to lean in a little bit harder so that your fruit can bear. The problem is is that we run when it gets hard, and so we don't last long enough to see God's growth and fruit in our life. Sometimes we have to walk through something so that we can learn that we have more in us than we uh, know how am I going to survive this season? Because you're going to put your head down and you're going to focus on Jesus and you're going to run the race that you've been given. And it's not easy. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to say a prayer and I'm going to read my Bible and God's just going to make it better. No, you're going to have days where you're going to want to pull your hair out or somebody else's hair out and you're going to want to box somebody and you're going to want to work your hardest just not to lose your stuff. But when you go in those moments and you go back to Jesus and say, okay, God help me. I'll lean into your word. That's why it's important. Like, get some sticky notes. Write some scriptures down in those moments. Have them where you can grab them handy. Like, when you if you get have an anger issue, you need to write down some anger scriptures. So that when you get angry, you go back to those scriptures. Because if you don't have a plan, what will you do? You'll fail. Well, Pastor, I don't understand, man. Every time I get mad, I I cuss and hit and hurt and you know fuss. What plan do you have in place to stop that when you get angry? Nothing. Well, then you're going to keep doing what you do. Men, if you don't protect, and and young men, grown men, we we act like it's not an issue anymore, but it is statistically. If you don't protect yourself and your eyes from pornography and lust, then guess what's going to happen? (laughs) You're going to find your way there if you have that issue. Nothing ruins marriages quicker than fake intimacy. Nothing ruins relationships worse than this lie of what it looks like. And if you don't have a plan, you're always, listen, that's why we don't have a computer in any closed off room in our house. <laughs> you, want, you want to be brave enough in our house to try to look at something? You better be real brave and real stupid. No TVs other than our room. <laughs> My kids hate that rule. Sorry. You going to try to watch something stupid? I'm going to know about it. If you don't have a plan, you plan to fail in every aspect of our life. And with bearing fruit, if we don't go through the growth seasons and if we don't have a process to the growth seasons, then we'll never see the fruit seasons. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he isn't working. Matter of fact, I would say in the moments where you can't see it, God is working even more. And we've got to trust the process. We've got to lean into God. In those moments, and I've told you the story about where I walked through four or five months where I couldn't even, I felt like I couldn't feel God. I felt like I was just praying and they were slapping the walls and the ceiling. and, And I felt like, God, you have just completely, I felt like David, God, you have abandoned me. And if I would have quit, if I would have stopped, I would have missed the miracle of what God was doing in my life. But I pressed on and I did the things that I know to do. God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep praying. I'm going to keep searching. I'm going to keep seeking. My heart is in a good place where I want to know you. And so I know that if I just keep pushing through this growing season, there's going to be a fruit season. You have to trust the process and not dig up your roots and move. The third thing is that their leaves never, never wither. They are full of life and purpose no matter what they walk through. They're not a dead tree. They're a a growing tree, and their leaves will never wither because they are connected to the source. They know who they are and who they are. That is probably one of the biggest, um, I think, failures of the church is that most adult Christians don't know who they are. That's just me being as blunt as I can. Like if I got you down on an individual level or if I made you answer, uh, answer the question, who are you in Christ? Most of us cannot articulate what we are. And that goes back to checking the box, going to church, doing our thing. But we, don't, we haven't personally sat down with the word of God, personally sat down with the presence of God and said, who am I? And read those scriptures that say, you are a son or a daughter. You are, you are this. You are that. You are like God's promises for your life are all throughout the Bible. He tells you what you are. He tells you that you are redeemed son and daughter of Christ. And those that that know beyond a shadow of a doubt who they are, they can make it through those moments. So even in the doubting moments, the quiet moments, the hurtful moments, the confused moments, the emotional moments, they don't waver from God's plan. They trust him. They trust him. I'm asking, do you trust him this morning? That in those moments where it's hard, you push through because your leaves will never, never, never wither. Life is a choice. Daily we get to choose it. And I, I think one of the hardest things that I have watched with, with young people, teenagers especially, is when the excuses start to roll out of, well, you don't understand. I had to. You know, the problem is, is that teenagers that act like that become adults that act that way. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Scott, I had to. I had no other choice. You always have a choice. Deuteronomy 30, right? It, it, and and I, I will always go back to the scripture because God's word is very, very clear about this. It says, today I've given you a choice. Say, I have a choice. Come on, say it with me. I have a choice. Now that you understand that, What's your choice? Between life and death, between blessings and cursings. And and he said, now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You have a choice. You don't understand, man? He was right in my face. He was cussing and spitting. I don't know what he was giving me, but man, he was he was all I mean, he did everything but lick my forehead. You still have a choice. There was a case this week, and I'll be very, very careful about what I say, but there was a case where somebody did something they shouldn't have done and they had every opportunity to walk away. You know what their excuse was? Well, they, they hit somebody. And that doesn't give you the right to go and get something and elevate it. Get in your car and drive away. Well, you don't understand. I ain't no punk. Okay, well, you can be a punk in jail, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, and, and here's the thing. We always go back, I didn't have a choice. I, could, oh, I wish I could understand my finances better. I wish I could tithe more. I wish I could have more freedom in my finances to put things into my savings account. I just can't. How many coffees? Listen, oh, I'm not judging anybody. I know, Deanna. I, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, Deanna's going to be like, you talking about me. I am not. Listen, if you have coffee budget, do you. Okay. But, but coffee or a Target run or whatever. Listen, if if it's if it's kolaches, I don't care what it is. The problem is that <laughs> I got myself. Deanne's gonna lie. I hate you. I'm gonna beat you up after. We got a choice. Don't 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 do that to me. Okay, okay. Whew. Breathe, Scott. We have a choice. We say we don't have, but it's because we feel like, well, <gasps> heaven forbid, you ask me to change my life. I know. What if the life that I'm telling you that you could have comes with the changes that you don't even know you need? The only way you'll know that is if you trust Jesus and your leaves never wither because you're connected to the source and you know who you are. I'd encourage you. I had it in here, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, I encourage you go home and read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It's the armor of God scripture. It says put on the full armor of God. That's how you withstand the the attacks of the enemy. That's how you withstand all that the the enemy wants to throw at you. You want to learn how not to to, to die in tough moments spiritually? You have to be prepared. You have to have your battle armor. You have to have your weapon ready. When the enemy speaks those lies into your life, you have to go, that's a lie. I recognize that lie because that's not God's word. Listen, God is never going to speak death over you. He may speak change over you, but he will not speak death. I always say it this way. God does not condemn. He convicts. And there's a huge difference. Condemnation makes you feel bad about choices and things that you have done in your life. Conviction is that, that, that thing that says, hey, you could have done better, right? Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Let's roll. Awesome. Conviction may make you feel like bad for a moment only because it's going to lead to something better. Condemnation Makes you feel shameful, guilty, horrible, with no out, with no change option. It's just you're a bad person. Conviction says that wasn't right, but let's, let, here's how we can make that better. The last one is this. He says that a tree planted by the river, they prosper in all they do. They prosper. And here's one of those, those things where a lot of pastors they get really excited, they pull out the hanky, they whoo you're the head and not the tail. Mm, preach, preacher. There's a caveat to all that. <laughs> Prospering isn't what we think. It can be. I think God blesses some people with finances. I'm not one of them, but I'm prosperous. So, I think that we teach really bad thought process in the church when we think that prosperous is attached to finances. Because, what about the, the people that live like in the Middle East that really don't have riches and are constantly. I just, I just watched a, a report of a, of a father in Egypt who was a part of a church, had a five year old and a three and a half year old murdered in the middle of the street, and his only fault was that he was a strong Christian man in Egypt. You want to talk about things that we're not worried about? Riding our moped through the streets and being stabbed with a meat cleaver. That's how he died. Only because he loved Jesus. And you know what? I think his wife would say, as much as I miss him, he was a prosperous man. Finances are one thing, and they, and they do help the church do more, and they do help uh, the, the church be a successful uh, movement of the kingdom of God. But God will not bless your mess. And you can come up as we close. Let me tell God won't bless your mess. I know, I know it, it sounds cute on a T-shirt, right? Bless this mess. But God won't bless it. And I think when we recognize that God is not in the, the work of blessing your sinful life, but changing it, all of a sudden we... we start to realize, man, I'm ready to change my life. You prosper in his purpose and in his presence. When you submit your life to him and give him access and control of your life, God promises you will prosper. I had somebody say, well, how do I know that it's the will of God? When you submit your life completely to him and don't like have exit plans or, you know, God, you can have 80% of my life, but this other 20%, I'm just gonna keep doing. Listen, God won't bless what you're not willing to give over to him. I don't understand why my life is still a mess. Maybe it's you haven't given complete control to God. And we're control freaks in America. (laughs) Guilty like flying. One, because of heights. Two, it's because I'm not allowed to fly the plane. I would rather drive 16 hours than fly for two. That sounds idiotic, but I know I'll get us there safely. Not crashing from 40,000 feet up in the air. I have control issues. Hi, my name's Scott. I think that's one of our downfalls. This is the moment that I say you need to give God control. You already started thinking about the ways that, well, okay, you know, like 99%. No, 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 no. The Bible does not say most. He says all. If you don't give him all control, you don't give him control at all. It's all or nothing with him. If you want to see the blessing, if you want to see the prosperous life of Jesus, you have to be willing to submit your life to him and give him access to everything. The Hebrew word for prosper is to shalak. It means to advance, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. Most of that definition has to do with moving forward in God's plan. It has nothing to do with finances, has nothing to do with, with, with riches that we can touch or see. It is literally saying I'm going to be profitable because I'm not going to stop moving in the will of God on my bad days. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to say, God, you've got this. I'm sorry. Let's keep moving. The question becomes, what is it that you want to be prosperous in? The last scripture that I want to read as we close is Luke 9, 23 through 25. He says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, <laughs> Say this prayer after me. Nope. (laughs) You must. Not, I suggest. Not, it'd be best for you. Do you see how Jesus' words get really watered down sometimes in the church? If you want to follow Jesus, all you have to do is say this prayer and you're good to go. No, it's not a miracle tool. This is not OxyClean, okay? Buy two, we'll throw one in free. Like, no. No. Jesus gives the perfect example of what it means to follow Jesus. You could say a prayer, that's great. I'm all for the the, the sinner's prayer. But here's the thing, if you say the prayer but don't change your life, you're not following Jesus, you're just saying magical words. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's pretty simple. Not easy. Simple. You want to follow Jesus? Follow him. Follow his ways. In order to follow his ways, you got to know his ways, which means you got to be connected to the source. And he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit or what do you prosper if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost and destroyed. (laughs) My faith is a non-negotiable. That's what I want to prosper in. I want to prosper in leading people to Jesus. I want to prosper in being an example. I want to prosper in making a difference and leaving a legacy for my family and others. That's what I want to prosper in. Honestly that's what everybody should. I read this in a devotion that I read this week. It's my closing statement of I hope this sticks with you. Jesus's call is transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. Jesus's call is transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. What does that mean? It means this. God never came to affirm your identity. He came to change it. He came to reveal your identity to you as a son or a daughter of Christ and to give you his plan and his purpose that far exceeds anything that you could ever dream or imagine that you would try to do on your own. Anything and God is way better than just anything. And what I mean by that is a relationship by itself can be good. A relationship with God, way better. When God is in the middle of your families. When God is at the center of how you parent, when God is at the center of how you do business, how you treat people, when God is at the center of all that, it elevates who you are. Teachers, (laughs) I know you don't want to hear. When you teach with the power of God behind you, and that does not mean that you're speaking the word of God. That means you are teaching within the spirit of God, whatever you are teaching them. kids start to go, man, there's something about this room that's a little bit different. Yeah, it's called Jesus. This isn't just a safe place. This is a powerful, spiritual safe place. Teenagers, your friends, even though if they mock you for your faith, can I tell you that they will? That you'll be the first one they run to? I'm saying that from personal experience. I got called everything under the sun as, in high school for following Jesus. But when their mom had cancer, guess who they ran to? saying that is, I don't I, I can't do anything about that. But they knew there was something about me that was consistent because I was connected to the source. And although they would make fun of me for it, they knew there was something in me that was real. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the God in me. Jesus did not come to affirm your identity. He came to give you transformation of life, and when you do that you will change the way that you see and the way that you interact with people. Let's pray. God, I pray that that last line is the line that we run with. That we allow you to transform our life. We don't try to add you to things. We don't try to add you to our identity. We allow you the space to come in and wreck our world and change everything about us if you so fit. But I I really believe that you created us. You created us with our personalities. And what you really want to do is show us our purpose and our plan. And so God, I speak that over everybody in this room that you would reveal your perfect will in their life. But in order to do that, I know that God, your word says that we have to be willing to go all in. And so, God, I pray, not, not, not a prayer of salvation, God. Those are great. But today I pray a declaration of us really searching our hearts to say, am I a tree planted by the river? Do I understand my source? Do I, do I, do I understand that in, in fruit season, it's, it's great. But you know what? The growth season is what grows me. It's what challenges me. It's what encourages me. And so, God, I pray, give us the ability to walk through those growth seasons so that we can see the fruit seasons in our life. us to lead, not just with our head, but with our heart in your word. Jesus, I pray that as we move forward in this series and we move forward in life, that God, we would ask for your transformation power to challenge and and change us. We love you, Jesus. I thank you for these people. God, I pray a blessed week ahead. A prosperous week ahead God where they would have opportunities of speaking your goodness to somebody God where they would be able to live it out even even on their worst day this week that God that they would live out your presence we love you Jesus and all of God's people said amen